0: Yeah, really pleased. Though. You know, it's yeah, they're they're a top side. It's it's a tough place to come. Not much went our way today in terms of you know uh, you know we conceded you know an unlucky own goal and a bare penalty. So it's not like everything's sort of falling in our favour as well. And uh, just the the real character and resilience the boys showed, the belief in the kind of team we want to be, even though. Yeah, you know, there were times today it was difficult to do that. They just kept persevering and persevering, and it's uh, a credit to them. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a complete difference. First team under me. Yeah, you know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters
1: hope and and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special.
2: Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. This is episode 144, and this is going to be a very, very packed episode. I am joined by Caroline. She is at CG Stefco. Kaz, how are you?
3: You know, I'm finally, I think, coming down from the emotions of that North London derby. What a game. I mean, just it's the most stressful fixture of the year. And I'm glad it's over. And, you know, we got out pretty much unscathed.
2: I, uh, I said last week on the pod that I, I was like going to be a little bit more excited going into this one. But by the end of the week, no, the exactly what you're talking about set in the nervousness, the anxiousness, the sweaty palms, the. Feeling of uh, disaster could strike at any moment and um, disaster struck a couple times in this in this match a 2 2 draw at, away at the Emirates uh, first point for Spurs at the Emirates since 2019, which uh, was not a, a stat that shocked me and also did kind of shock me at the same time. Um, all wrapped into one so uh, we're going to talk about this this north london derby we've got a lot to get to in the podcast today Uh, we're going to hope to be joined by todd a little bit later on Uh, just scheduling conflicts abound for all of us at the depot here today but we're going to we're going to squeeze it all in we've got the the, the derby to talk about Uh, we've got a a pretty key injury i think to discuss Um, hopefully not more of them coming out of the match Uh, spurs did a fan forum earlier this week, which had some, some noteworthy uh, events and, and newsmaking qualities to it. Um, And then we are also a week away from the start of the Spurs women team uh, taking, taking on the WSL season. And we're going to preview that as well. A lot, lot to talk about there as well. We've, we've not talked a lot about the women in the past few weeks. Uh, We've been trying to get Caroline back and and wrangling on the pod to, to give us the full on uh, look at the pre at the, at the women's team and the preview there. So um, that is coming as well but caroline let's let's start with this north london derby as we mentioned 2-2 and a match that i don't know i come out of feeling okay about i know we're not supposed to like rejoice in in draws but i feel like anytime spurs go to the emirates and get a point there's got to be something to be taken from that positively right
3: well yeah it's kind of like the brentford game on the first match day i i have a similar feeling of Wishing we could have gotten all three points, but I think that's a good sign about where we're at already under Ange. You know, going into the season, we were kind of trying to keep our expectations low, and it, it it seemed like it could be a difficult start to the season because of these fixtures that we had. And you know, like I just said, this one I feel like is the worst one we have all season, every season. So the fact that we got a point out of it, it's over. <laughs> you know, we can move on with the rest of the season, um, and I do feel like. It, the win was there for the taking. And if maybe we'd had a little bit more luck go our way today, that that could have been a possibility. Um, I, I, we're going to get into like the, the selection and substitution decisions later on. But I, I think we lost a little bit of momentum towards the end of the game. Uh, but overall, I feel pretty happy with the performance, just knowing that we had a lot of really young players starting today, players who this was their first North London Derby period. And I think they comported themselves really well and we can be proud of them.
2: Let's get into the selections right now. There was one change from last weekend's match against uh, Sheffield United. Boy, had to had to really dig for that one. Um, th- and that was Brennan Johnson coming in to start in place of Manor Solomon. Um, not an unsurprising move, I don't think. Um, nothing too shocking but otherwise it's been pretty much this same team running out in with you you know with a one game a week schedule um i I like the move i I was in favor i thought i thought the the build-up all week going into this match was you know spurs are not going to change their identity for this match they're going to go after it they're going to do they're going to try to continue to play angeball despite this being probably the stiffest test in these first six games plus the cup match to this point um and I thought honestly when you look at the way that that Spurs did play uh, the first 40 minutes I think were a real challenge and I think Spurs got thoroughly fairly thoroughly outplayed for those first 40 minutes but from then on you know the final I guess you could say 60 when you tack on 10 minutes at the end of a game the the, the final 60 minutes I thought Spurs um carried themselves extremely well and I just I don't know I was enthused by that
3: Yeah, I think going back to the Brennan Johnson decision, it made sense to me because he does bring a little bit of extra pace over Manor Solomon. Um, And I also feel like he's just a little more experienced at the Premier League level Um, because he was I mean, he was always a starter for Nottingham Forest. And he's he is a young player, but he's not inexperienced per se. Um, And I thought he played really well. It's unfortunate that he may have picked up an injury and uh, we might not get to see a ton of him in the next few games. But yeah, I think we did kind of struggle to start and end the game, perhaps like that middle section was really where we were the strongest for me, especially right before halftime. Um, but I don't know, it, the ending of the game was kind of like, it could have gone either way. Like I would not have been necessarily surprised if we conceded a goal or if we scored a goal. Like it was, it was a good game, which I guess in the end is what you want to see, Um especially considering the different trajectories that, you know, our team and Arsenal are on sort of like our progression along the journey, as they say, like they've, they've had quite a few seasons with Arteta now and we're really just getting started with Ange. So I feel good about the fact that we were able to go toe to toe with them. Um, And also having to weather, you know, a couple of injury issues throughout the game that kind of complicated things. So yeah, I, I don't have too many complaints about the selection at all.
2: I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's a really important point when you talk about just the trajectory that both of these clubs have been on. And obviously we, we've talked ad nauseum about the way that Spurs have, you know, had a few seasons where they were trying to go for something that, that really wasn't Spurs like, and they were trying to to be something they weren't. And now that we feel like Spurs are on a track where they can get back to playing that quote unquote Tottenham football. Um, I, I think this is a good sign going there. And, and now our, our, our boy Scott made a point in our group chat like this is a really good point if you go and win the home match in the reverse fixture it, when you look at you know just your season against Arsenal as a whole and obviously everyone's going to do that it's it's a it's a rivalry for a reason that match is not until like late April it's very very far off in the distance so I, I like that I don't have to think about them for quite some time Um and but 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 to Scott's point y- yeah this is a really really important point if you turn around and win the home match and I think by that point I look forward to, to to that, you know, to Spurs being able to meet that challenge.
3: Right. And we've got another transfer window in between now and then. So we could see some, some bolstering of our own lineup in that time. But I think the thing that really pleased me about this performance and just the way we've been playing all season under the new manager is that when we face those setbacks, it it doesn't change the way we play like conceding a goal doesn't change the way we're going to approach the game. And we don't have the kind of reactive mindset that we had under the last few managers. Like, we're just going to go out and play our game. And I feel like that, that gives the players a good foundation to actually stay calm and not be affected by the setbacks. You know, they're just like, we're going to roll with it. We're going to keep doing our game. And, you know, we equalized not as quickly the first time, but almost immediately the second time. So I, I was really, happy with that response.
2: Yeah, there's no question. And and like you say, that that kind of resilience coming back from a goal down two different times away to your biggest rival is there's something notable about that. And sure, you don't want to have to fall down. But let's talk a little bit about the way this game played out. As I mentioned, the first 40 minutes or so, I did really think, oh, we're not that we were playing on the back foot, but we were finding it difficult to play the ball out the back and Arsenal's press were, were, were furious. And it it was, it was a little touch and go there. Let's just be, let's call a spade a spade for the first 30 to 40 minutes. And Arsenal get the, you know, what they're calling an own goal, whether you want to give the goal to Saka, whether you want to call it Romero's own goal. I, it doesn't matter to me. It was a goal. A goal is a goal. Um, the way this, this one played out, it was, it was difficult for me because I was a little frustrated at how, kind of cavalier, they just allowed Saka to roam into the box and and get a shot like that away. And while it may have been an easier save if, say, Romero wasn't there for Vicario to make and Romero's trying to make a play trying to help out, there's a combination of miscommunication, um, a little bit of soft defense, and and sure, a little bit of unluckiness that went into to, to, to making this goal happen. And that was kind of frustrating because it felt like, it was, it was an avoidable thing that, that happened, but also it kind of felt like a, a little bit of a product of just spurs being out of their wits in those first 30 to 40 minutes.
3: Yeah. And I think this comes down to the fact that players like destiny, a this is their first derby, and it's an, it's a whole other level of pressure. I feel like than he's probably experienced in any other game. Um, and for the most part, you know, he did well, if he had one mistake, that's not the end of the world, you know, early in the season. And overall, our defense, you know, it's, it's a fairly new group, a new dynamic. And these kind of mistakes are going to happen early in the season. And we just kind of have to to accept that and move on. And I think that's what the team did, you know, on the attack as they moved on. They, they, they countered those mistakes with actually scoring some goals and scoring goals through actual football, unlike Arsenal. So <laughs> at least we can be happy about that you know
2: shot fired there <laughs> yeah dakota had in our group chat had mentioned that and and i think he, he has a point with this like some of the miscommunication there was was a little bit between Adogi and johnson who's obviously playing getting his first start a little bit of newness to this a little bit of this is the first north on derby for a lot of the players on the pitch, frankly um th- the other one that was kind of in the mix there who i thought for me was was he was my man of the match was mickey vandeven who I thought was just incredible on that left side and cleaning things up, um, I was super super impressed by his performance. But I agree with you on Adogi too. I don't think that it was a bad performance. I just thought, yeah, there was that one brief moment where Saka was allowed a, a little bit more space than you would have liked him to be, and then Romero, you know, Romero's going to get a lot of stick for, for this game that he had today. Starting with the own goal, we're, we're going to come on to the handball penalty he got a book, he got his first booking of the season. Like there's, he was, he was even getting a lot of stick on the broadcast, like that. He was having some kind of horrid performance. I thought it, it, there, there were elements of his, his performance that I did not like, but I thought overall it was not a bad performance by Romero.
3: I don't think it was a bad performance. And yes, he did get his first yellow of the season, but it was not, I think the kind of yellow that we expect him to get, like losing his head and like a moment of, frustration in a, in a high-pressured game like this like you know it was just a foul and these kind of incidents like the own goal the handball they happen in sport it's inevitable it was just his bad luck today that they both happened to him and I just don't think it's a reflection of of his importance and value to the team overall um, and also you know we saw his leadership on display throughout the match especially when he took over the, the armband from Sonny but he, he was really trying to keep everybody cool and not rising to the bait of some of the Arsenal players. So I appreciated that aspect of his performance, especially. Um, I do have to agree with you, though, on Mickey Van De Ven. Like, it's, it's kind of incredible to me. You know, he's one of the youngest players out there, one of the newest players on the team, and you would not know it from watching him. He is so composed and just very brave on the ball as well. Um, I feel like that's kind of emblematic of the Ange ball concept overall. So I'm every time he's on the pitch, I just love watching him. And I'm so glad we were able to bring him in. And, you know, I don't I don't know how many other teams were looking at him, but we beat them out and that's a good thing.
2: He He's he's impressed the hell out of me through the first six games or so. I mean, this is this is one of those signings that I, I think it, it will go unheralded as long as we allow it to go unheralded just because he's playing center back. He's not, he's not up, up top scoring goals. He's not running down the wing. He's, he's playing center back and he's playing it so damn well and so solidly. And so it's almost like um I know you're not a big uh, American football watcher, but it's, it's almost like the, the offensive lineman in, in American football, like they only get talked about when they make a mistake. And that's a lot of times what we, what we, do with center backs as well we only we only really talk about them when when they make mistakes and you see the result of that but he he has just not only has he not really made mistakes he's risen above that level even and just he's standing out as like just a I really wanted to take a second to to point that out because i think a lot of people know it but not enough people talk about it to this point in the season um let's talk about that first equalizer because this is a as I mentioned, the first 40 minutes or so to me were like, oh, we're kind of, I was really disappointed in the way the midfield was playing. I thought the sumo looked out of sorts. I thought Sar was giving the ball up too much. And I even thought Madison was just not really into the game in the first 40 minutes or so. And then all of a sudden, James Madison pops up down that left side and provides a brilliant, brilliant assist for a goal for Sun. And all is right with the world. Like w- they they turned the game around on a dime by getting that first equalizer.
3: yeah. Ange talked about it in his post-game comments where, you know, he cited James Madison's work ethic. And, I, I mean, that was really on display in that moment, hustling to get down on the touchline and keep that ball in and get it into sun. And then from there, you've got Sun just showing his world-class quality when it comes to finishing. Like, that was not an easy goal to score. And he makes it look effortless every time. Um, it's, that just makes it a pleasure to watch him, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they, those two really have formed a great connection so early in the season already. And the fact that they're, you know, both part of the leadership group just makes it so like meaningful. I think every time that we get to see them collaborate on a goal together. Um, but yeah, I thought, I agree with you that the Madison took a little bit of time to grow into the game as well. But when the two of them had to sub off later in the game, I kind of was like, oh man, I, I feel less confident now about us winning the game, finding another goal because the two of them were off the pitch. Cause that's just how impactful they've been.
2: Yeah. There's no question about it. They of course linked up for both of the goals and we'll come on to the second one uh, here momentarily, but I, I just, I, I agree. It, it, I'm, I'm having a hard time. We talked a lot about the depth on this team and or the lack thereof. And like, I'm having a hard time deciding like, who would I? And this is like, I, maybe this is partially just the morbidness of of being a Spurs fan sometimes. But like, my brain immediately goes to if I had to lose one player to a to an injury, like, would I rather it be Mickey Van, De Van or, or or Christian Romero or Sonny or Madison? Because like, I think any of those four players is a devastating devastating blow for us right now. And again, that's just the it's the morbidity of of where my brain goes as a Spurs fan because of the lack of depth right now.
3: Well, I think that's because they're really the spine of the team, you know. Yeah. And I think if any of those players were going to be out long-term, we would have to be seriously concerned. Um, and I think, you know, we, I, I listened to the pod the last few weeks when I wasn't able to come on, and I know you all talked about the difference between having Sonny at the striker role and Richarlison. Uh, they're not interchangeable players. So it's not a thing where if Son gets injured – you know, Richarlison just slots in and everything is fine. Like it's a very different dynamic. So yeah, I would, I, and Madison, we don't really have a replacement for him. I don't think in the senior team at the moment, you know, we, <laughs> we might have a player coming up through the Academy who's, you know, a future replacement, but he's not right. ready yet. So yeah, that, that's going to be a cause for concern if, if he is going to be out long-term.
2: Before we move on to talk about the second half, you, you kind of built me a perfect little bridge to talk about the injury to Ivan Perisic because I, I, what you say about interchangeable players and son and Richarlison not being those interchangeable players. I think that not only were we disappointed when not disappointed, that's the wrong word, but not only were we a little less confident in our ability to score when Madison and son came off, part of that is because, you know, Richarlison came on, but he, he, he didn't come on with Perisic obviously, bec- who, who. Obviously, we learned earlier in the week, suffered a a knee injury, is going to be out for many, many months. Um, and Perisic has been providing really, really great service down the wing for Richarlison. We saw it uh, for his header last week. Um, we, we, we've seen the two of them almost coming on as subs and providing something over the last handful of games. And that's a tough blow because I don't know... I, Like you say, Son and Richarlison are not interchangeable because they play that central forward role. And I, I've been doing this for a few weeks now. I've been hesitating to call it striker because I feel like striker indicates more target man. And Richarlison is just, he is more of a target man than Sonny and he needs that service and he's not getting it from, well, he hasn't been thus far from anyone other than Paris So it is going to be a really interesting to see if Richarlison can adapt his game to not that he can't play as a target man in this system, but you need a little bit more fluidity in my mind. You need a little bit more touch, which we have seen him struggle with. So I think that's going to be an interesting element. I think that unfortunately the the injury sucks and there's no way, there's no way around it. I, I know not a lot of people have like super warm, fuzzy feelings about Paris Hitch. He's been here, you know, he came into under Conte and, uh, you know, it, he's, he's a vet, he's a good veteran presence to have around, but he's not like a, a guy who's been with the club long-term that, that we've grown like strong feelings for, but this really does suck for him. Um, he's an older player. I don't know how well he's going to come back from an injury like this. I, I, I think that Perisic's uh Spurs tenure to this point has been underrated and not overrated. I think he's been way exactly kind of what you would expect, if not a little bit better from a player like him. So I'm kind of hurt by it all, but I'm afraid that it's going to hurt Richarlison more than anything at this point.
3: Well, I think it just kind of illustrates the way that the depth that we have in our squad right now is not like-for-like like replacements. It's like we have different dynamics we can bring in as substitutes, and that we saw that work perfectly in the last game against Sheffield United, where we really needed that kind of like set piece expertise from Paris the target man from Richarlison. It worked out really well, um, but you know we do have kind of. situation now where if if we don't necessarily need a different kind of style substitution but we just need like fresh fresh legs like the same kind of thing but from a player who's not like working through a knock like we had with Madison today and apparently with Sonny um, coming into the game and said he wasn't 100 percent you know we we needed something that was similar to those and we just didn't have it. Uh, So that was a little, a little frustrating. Um, And even with Brennan Johnson, you know, potentially picking up a hamstring injury and, and Manor Solomon coming on for him, like that was a different dynamic too. Uh, So that's why to me, it kind of felt like at the end of the game, we were a little out of sorts. It's, it it was kind of unclear, like what we were trying to do. um, And we couldn't just continue on with what had been working previously in the game. So yeah, I, I I think our depth is definitely something that's going to have to be looked at in January, and make some some tough decisions there.
2: Yeah, there's no question about it, and obviously the the Madison injury scare as well. Like we don't know what's going to come of that. He, he went down for a minute, carried on for for a while, but was eventually subbed off. And when you bring in, and I'm not going to sit here and slight Pierre Mihoyier because I thought he played okay when he came on, but he's not James Madison in an attacking. set he only, he only does that with Denmark for some reason. He, he turns into like, you know, vintage Christian Erickson with Denmark, but he doesn't do it for, for the club team. And I'm not, I'm not slighting him. They, they play different than we do. It's, it's not what he's asked to do. um But it you're right there. There's, there's different subs that are have being have to have to be made. And uh you get like, it's just a slightly different style depending on who's out there and, and a different way that you have to play. But to your point, I, I think that despite, us looking a little bit less together, I guess, and a little less um, attacking and, and fluid with, you know, our choice 11 for the final 40 or 50 minutes of the game. Um, I, st- I still thought we played them about level or if not, maybe even a little bit better for for that stretch, which I think is, is, is promising as well. Um, let's, let's come on to the second half because this, this penalty and, Look, if if I'm able to link up with Todd later, I know he's going to have a lot to say about the officiating, so I kind of want to I I want to let you have your say about the officiating and I'm going to have mine too, but just know that it might feel a little bit soft. There's 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 spice coming later um from from TC. I This is one of those penalties that's like you can be mad at the rule but not at the the call cuz the rule is tough and the way that stuff is written these days, it's just it's all and said it best. I don't know what's going to happen sometimes when a ball hits a hand, it feels like anything. and to me, yeah, that's probably a penalty, but there are so many questions to be asked of was Madison found? Did Madison get a deflection on the ball that caused the ball to hit his hand? There's, can you have your hand, you know, level with your shoulder, but not above your shoulder. There's just so many questions to be asked and so little clarification on, and so little consistency is the really big thing. Cause we see these things throughout just, go referees are so unbothered sometimes by, well, what's the precedent for this and, and, and that, but you know, it goes against them and, and they, you know, Saka converts the penalty and
3: we, we immediately go down two one again. This was a really frustrating one for me because I feel like they've tried to update the handball law to make it less open to interpretation, but I feel like we're still getting that honestly, from from VAR. Because um, obviously the on-field ref didn't call it in the moment. I think you can argue we didn't gain any sort of clear advantage from it hitting Romero's hand. So I don't know that it necessarily passes the clear and obvious error bar. But I'm also not sure if that applies to the handball, to be honest. I would have to go back and look at the rule book. But I feel like when, it, when you get those deflections coming into it, that gets really confusing. Like what what counts and what doesn't. I also felt like, you know, sure, maybe his hand should not be quite that high in his sort of falling weird motion. But at the same time, the ball was so close to him when it was struck that I'm kind of like, how does he get his hand out of the way? Like, he, he knew nothing about it. So for that reason, it was really frustrating to me. Like, I get why it was called, but I, I think he could just as easily have said, you know, don't penalize that. That's not fair. Um and you know, Sokka converted his penalty. So it is what it is. But I on that note, I will say I did not like the way that Sokka celebrated um so so cockily about two goals that really, you know, he didn't have to work that hard for, let's be honest.
2: Well, it was it we, we didn't even mention that. He he did the the Dart Madison celebration after what turned out to be the own goal, which I number one, let's just like chuckle at how funny it is to celebrate an own goal in that way. Um, That's ridiculous. Granted, I'm sorry, <laughs> but also moments later, he gets absolutely bodied by Madison on the other end, which led to the, the first equalizer. Like that was, that was Madison. Absolutely. You know, taking Sokka to task down, down the wing and providing that assist for son. So like, you know, have that karma. And honestly, the, the penalty itself, it was, a, it was a, good penalty but right down the middle I thought Vicario almost clipped it with his foot as he dove it was very close and that would have just been because that's the other thing we haven't really spoken about is is Vicario I thought Vicario had a great game um I am more and more impressed each time I watched this goalkeeper he has I, I'm, I'm continuing like I think I said after the Brentford match like I'm gonna have some skepticism for a little while. I still have this the, the, a fair amount of skepticism long term. But what he's shown has has impressed me. I really enjoyed his match and he almost saved the damn I, I thought he almost saved the damn penalty, which was wild to me. Um I just thought he was he was good in distribution. He's been calm at the back. You haven't seen even some of the saves he had to make where defenders left him out to dry. Like he he made a few saves and then just turned and was like, no, we're good. Calm down. Like you could see just a real level, even keel uh nature to Vicario's game, which I really appreciated.
3: I've been so happy with him so far honestly I you know there are very very few goals we've conceded this season that you could say he was even remotely responsible for or you know could have saved and it does feel like he's going to stop a penalty at some point this season I'm calling it now because um, he's he's come very close um, but you're right I think he's shown a lot of composure at the back and it also really pleased me to see him kind of comforting Romero after that own goal like he's showing leadership too and it kind of shows the overall emphasis that you know Sonny has had on the whole team needs to show leadership I feel like we've definitely seen that so far um, but particularly from him so that's really great to see and uh, yeah I he just he's exactly what we needed for the way that we want to play and I can't imagine us pulling these results out if we had hugo still in goal like i just don't think they happen um frankly well
2: not not to mention that the guy that started on the other end of the field who was heavily rumored to spurs before he ended up going to arsenal i thought that was uh, a very interesting dichotomy to this match as well and in and all the drama that they've kind of got going on uh on their end with with the goalkeeper i I don't even know what you call that goalkeeper mess uh down down the road that's that's a very strange situation but honestly not one that I really care that much about or need to think about because I'm happy with, with, with who we have and our guy. Um, The, the equal, the second equalizer, this is just, I mean, I think in the aftermath of like being disappointed at the, the penalty call and the penalty, you know, being, being given and all that, the fact that we just don't blink and just come right back down. And that goal is purely on a press and, and taking advantage of a mistake and Madison you know, takes the ball away, slips it to Sonny. Sonny with another just cool, calm, collected finish. Um, and I don't know. I I would have been confident if you had gone another 30 minutes without scoring and equalized, but the fact that it happened a minute later, I think I think all of that happened within like 98 seconds, uh of, of one of a, of of the two goals. I, I just I don't know. I was I was so encouraged by that and so pumped by just the resiliency that this team showed after going down on, you know, what could be deemed a hard luck penalty.
3: Right. And Son is a big game player. Like he honestly, more than any player we've had in recent years, he is the man. Um, and I honestly believe that if he had stayed in the game longer, he would have completed his hat trick. Uh, actually, I saw a stat that he has more, North London Derby goals than Henri and Van Persie, which is pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> there was one Spurs player too, but I can't recall who it was now. Um, but yeah, like he, Madison and Son just stayed so calm in that moment. And it, it was another just very clean finish from Sonny. I I can't be happier with how we responded to to going down again at the away fixture. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, and his 150th club goal, too, which is just really something remarkable. I mean, I I'm 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 blown away by the fact that Sonny moving centrally, and again, this is something we've talked about a lot on the pod, but it, it just brings this sort of calmness, no matter who's outside of him. I mean, I thought Kulosevsky had a, a, a fairly decent game. Uh, once again, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about the job that Brandon Johnson did and and solomon after him but you know no matter who's surrounding Sonny, as long as he's got madison and and hopefully he does but as long as he's got madison behind him those two have have provided some some kind of spark and i don't know it's been fun to watch Sonny cook in that role centrally
3: right and even though you know we're talking about how how important he is as like an individual when asked about reaching that goal milestone after the game, he just wants to talk about the teamwork. So I think that's just really indicative of like the overall mood around the club right now, you know, players are going to get their goals, but it's more important that everyone's playing well together. Um, And especially, you know, son is the captain. He's really uh, demonstrating that, that on a personal level. So, and I agree, I think Kulisiewski did have a good game and I, I almost would have been curious for him to, move more centrally after Madison was out, kind of like we saw um, at the end of the last game. Um, but that's kind of where it comes down to our depth options. Like we didn't really have anyone to, to move forward into that right winger role to replace him, unless I guess we could have had Royale come in and Poro shift up. But, you know, I, I think Kulicevsky, he's going to play a big role this season. He's had kind of a slow burner start, but he's really starting to, to reach some form now.
2: The only other thing about the subs that I found interesting is, you know, you had both of both of your midfielders Sar and Basuma, on bookings in this match and kind of looking looking some kind of way at, at certain points and uh, no sniff from Oliver Skip at all, which I I found a little bit interesting. Um, you know, Hoybier did come into the match, but but for Madison, um, but I don't know, that that, that was there was a there was a lot of confidence I think shown in Ange Postacoglu for the players that were on bookings um, to to you know keep their head. Adogi obviously picked one up um, as you mentioned really early, like 15 minutes in, and I thought he was really sound the rest of the match after picking up his booking, and and the other two midfielders um, needed to be as well, and then Romero's came came fairly late in the match. But the only other, um, real incident from this match, I think that that needs to be discussed was the, the Edward Nikita yellow card for the tackle on Vicario, which I thought in the moment I was like, oh my God, that like, what a, what a gift. Like they just, they just had a player sent off. And I was a little surprised that that only came out yellow. That for me was a really, really brutal, brutal tackle diving into the leg of a goalkeeper in his own box that was a a bang on red card. And look, I again, the spiciness uh, against the officials is coming later when we talk to Todd, but this is the one moment where I will fully, what I, I have not full disclosure to the listeners. I have not yet recorded with Todd. I don't know what he's going to say about this, but I can almost guarantee you. I'm going to agree with anything he says about this particular incident, because this was a bang on red card for me. And I'm not one to like criticize officials very often, but man, that was such a, such a bad, bad, uh, call no, 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 even not even a VAR check for that for that tackle. It was it was absurd to me.
3: And and that is the issue right there is how does Romero's handball raise to the level of needing VAR review? But that does not. That that's where it gets dicey to me and starts to feel a little verging on conspiracy theory uh, <laughs> situation. That it just seems like we so far this season we've not been getting those the benefit of the doubt on these calls like it's it's usually going against our favor um because to me it was it was a locked on red card and it's it's one thing that the head official missed it in the moment and then it's another even further you know grievance that var didn't intervene um to send him off so yeah it's we know that especially with there being so much added time in games this season, like that would have been a huge, basically almost a a full half (laughs) that they would have been down a man um, with, with the added time added on that we we could have taken advantage. And like I said, it it felt so the play felt so even in that last portion of the game that I'm just sitting here thinking like, if we had had the man advantage, like like, we score, We, we just do. So that's really frustrating to have to come to terms with there.
2: I, I think there's so many different elements, including that, that, you know, the what ifs, the the would have, could have, should have that we all play when when we get a result like this. But it, it both fills me with a little bit of um, anger and resentment, but also like uh, a little bit of confidence that even despite not getting some of these breaks, that you know you either get or you don't get in in football matches like these things happen whether it's whether it's the handball whether it's the own goal whether it's the not getting that to be called a red card like we all think it, it properly should have been um they've still i think slightly outplayed that lot in this especially in the second half and still earned the away point which i think overall just to me feels like it's i never am one to say that's a draw that felt like a win but. That's a draw that felt as close to a win, I think, as you can get, especially when you just consider the history in that building. I mean, I mentioned earlier, that's the first point there since 2019. Um, you know, you talk about like if you do the math correctly there in your head, you realize Antropos Takaglia now has more points at the Emirates than Conte, Nuno and Mourinho combined. Uh, that's that's some easy, quick calendar math you can do there. Um it's still been what, like 15 or so years since they've won at the Emirates. Uh 13 years, I think it was, something like that. I, anytime you go there and get a point, it's gonna feel better than it could have felt, I feel like, is is just where my mindset is after that.
3: Right. And like Scott said, you know, if we go and, and we win the home fixture, this point's gonna feel even better that that we were able to get it despite having some some obstacles in our way. But yeah, I feel I just feel happy that. We're undefeated still on the season and I would not have predicted that looking at the fixtures that we had for this like initial run of the season. Um, I feel like we're, we're overachieving, you know, and we don't want to be, we don't want to get too carried away, of course, because it is still early, you know, injuries happen. Anything could happen this season, but I, I think we could be pretty happy with how it's, it's worked out so far, especially considering, you know, having to play Manchester United and Arsenal already so far
2: and it gets a lot easier next week when Liverpool come to the Tottenham Hotspur stadium that's obviously yeah, um, easy work yeah easy work uh it's th- another one that's like not not going to be that fun but i i also i joked with you before we started recording i'm almost more fearful of looting away the following week than i am of Liverpool at home just because i feel like the way that we're playing right now we're going for it and I, I'm not going to say I'll be happy with a draw next week. Like I'll be happy with a win and nothing less. And that's just the kind of confidence that I have in Ball right now. Um, I, I'll be, I'll be. We're,
3: we're so due for a win against Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Also like we've, it's, it's been a frustrating few years in terms of those fixtures as well. So yeah, I, I we just got to do it. You know, it's time.
2: Just go do it. Just go, just friggin' go do it. And I know like, we're all still A little bit in the we're easing ourselves into this, like we're all in love with with what we've been watching thus far, but it's still so early. And I keep I keep emphasizing it is so early in this process. But at the same time, to to dare is to do is, is there for a reason. Like, go go fucking win one against Liverpool next week. That would be that would be so badass and feel so great. And honestly, there's no reason to not feel like you can't the way that this club is playing right now. So that's, you know, barring again injuries and depth concerns like we'll see what comes out of this match in the coming days i'm sure there will be i'm sure the uh the training room after i mean after a derby like that the training room is probably always busy after what we just saw i definitely think the training room on on monday and tuesday is going to be pretty busy we'll have to see what comes out of it but i'm still very very encouraged thus far
0: yeah we had a really young team out there today i mean even guys like vic that's his first derby but you know Destiny, Mickey Vandervin, uh, Pape Brennan, uh, all in the early 20s. Porro, even Kulishevsky's only 23. So it was a young team, but just super proud of the experienced guys we did have in there. Romero, outstanding. Bissouma has been brilliant all year. And and Madison and and Sonny was just, you know, on a different level in terms of, not not his goals, just his goals, because his goals were outstanding, but his work rate and his work ethic today was phenomenal.
2: Okay, Andrew back here. Um, I I, I teased this earlier in the pod when I was speaking with Caroline earlier in the day. I now have Todd with me. He is at TC underscore show. Todd wanted to make sure we could get your thoughts on the North London Derby uh, on the record and on the pod and let you have your say. I, I don't know. I kind of want to turn this over to you, man, because Caroline and I have talked about this already. Uh, I, I know that there's some officiating stuff you want to get off your chest. I don't know if you want to start there or oh, if you want to talk oh. about the game first. I'm going to leave this up to you, my friend.
3: Oh,
1: you talking about the North London robbery? Yeah, we, we can have that conversation if you really want to. You're talking about a dodgy deflected goal and a VAR penalty, as Ange called it. Uh, yeah, we, we can talk about that if you want. What I want to talk about, Andrew, is uh, it's a good fucking day when you get a point away at the Emirates. That's all I'm saying. Yeah,
2: there's no question about that. There, There is no question about that. Um, but Like I said, man, where do you want to start with this? Because we can go right into the officiating stuff, or you can just give me, like, your thoughts on uh, – Caroline and I talked a lot about, you know, that feeling of this is a really, I think, important victory as long as you – kind of cap it off with you know by by beating them at home in the return fixture but that's not even until april so it's not even something i want to think about but like this is a good result i think anytime you go on you know on the road to that lot and get a point it's it's got to be somewhat of a decent result especially when you had to come back twice in order to do it after falling down i think that showed some kind of resiliency right
1: well 100 i want to cut this up into three parts the first thing i want to do is i want to cut it up into the team selection i mean when you bring in brennan johnson um, I think is a, is a major statement. Um, obviously, he got hurt, uh, and we ended up having to go to Manor-Solomon. Um, but I think that that said a lot about what Andrews is looking to do with this team going forward. Um, Brendan Johnson, for the time that he was on the pitch, I thought actually exerted himself fairly well. Um, so I think going forward, there are definitely positive signs there. I'm, I'm not a doctor, I'm not going to speculate about exactly how much of a hamstring injury he came up with. Um, but, I mean, he obviously had to be withdrawn from the match, so he called for this. So the second thing that I want to talk about is is what actually transpired on the pitch, um, and that was two dodgy fucking goals from Arsenal and then Sonny pinning him back both times, just letting him know exactly what the heck was going on because he is that dude and this is that fixture. My third thing that I want to talk about It's Paul Merson. Just fuck that guy. And I, I, I want to say specifically that that guy... The pause for dramatic effect
2: little... really got me, man. <laughs> really uh, got me.
1: Yeah, as for you, I, I, I just want to say um I hope that you have multiple clown noses because I'm not sure that one will suffice for how much of an absolute sideshow you made yourself in the lead up to this match.
2: Well, I, I definitely promised uh, this the fire. I didn't know if it was going to be going after Paul Merson or, or the now, officials. No, that was for you. But, I mean,
1: listen, you were setting me up to talk about the officials, and that's fine. Um, I spoke extremely disparagingly of the officiating in this match, um, but mostly because it was shit. So, I, think, I, I, I right, mean... So,
2: so let's, let's, let's break this down. Let's break this down into okay. a few different things here. Sure. The 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 handball. Let's start there, because okay. I think that's the most prominent thing that to, so to talk, to talk my, about from these decisions.
1: My biggest issue with the handball is yeah. that everybody and their mom looked at that and went, "Well, that's a natural body position." Yeah, it hit his hand, but like it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't in an attempt to stop a goal. It was simply him trying to get low, and his hand being in that position. If you played defender for one second, you understand that sometimes. When you're trying to do something with your lower half, your upper half gets put in an unpleasant position. And that's exactly what happened there. The reason why I know that that was some shit is because you listen to the broadcast and you got Graham Lasso first and foremost, a Chelsea honk, doesn't want anything good to happen to us, which we know. And that's fine. Saying, nah, that's a natural body position. I don't really see anything in it. And then you had the the play by play go go play by play guy goes, Well, it looks like the check's complete. That's what we're hearing. Oh, wait a second. The referees running over to the monitor. It looks like this is anything but check complete. You heard that shit happen on the broadcast. These are narrative affirming decisions that are simply made by a video affirming referee that is a waste of my fucking time and it blows my mind that everybody's looking at this situation and just going, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. It all comes out in the wash. This happens to every team. Get the fuck out of here. No, it doesn't. Not like this, Andrew. Not like this.
2: You and I are just going to have to obviously agree to disagree a little bit on this kind of stuff. We let's talk a little bit more about that.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about that. Right. So I had an issue with the handball. I had an issue with the SAR penalty followed by the, or the 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 SAR yellow followed by the Basuma yellow, which I thought was bullshit. I had an issue with the fact that Ben White didn't even get a fucking yellow call for mauling old buddy. I had an issue with the fact that freaking Fast Eddie Ninkentia can just double leg our keeper in the middle of the box, and it's a, a, a maybe a yellow. I feel bad, so I'm gonna have to show a yellow. Absolute utter. Horseshit. You in the chat, Andrew, were in the process of defending the officiating when that fucking nonsense happened. So I'm gonna try to dude. I was so mad at that point in time that I was just I I just could not hear any more both sides in this from you on this referee talk <laughs> because it's bullshit.
2: You're you're giving a real uh like a a real view into our group chat from this morning, which was a little bit, I'm like, look, man, it's all love. We, we definitely got got a little spicy. We got, we everybody got a little spicy. It was, it was basically Dakota and I telling you that like, no, I mean, by the rule, that's, and look, here's what I said earlier. And, uh, you know, sorry for the listeners for repeating myself, but like the handball thing, it's frustrating. Don't get me wrong, but like there's no consistency throughout the league with this stuff. And that's the reason I just, I, I feel like I don't have any control over it. That's where I'm at. What I will say is, and you will hear this if you listen back, because Caroline and I did discuss it. Uh, the the Enketia tackle on Vicario is a red card every single day, and it, it was every day. And it's extremely frustrating because at that point you've got at least twenty, and with ten stoppage minutes, you know, thirty minutes of 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 playing a man up there, where I think Spurs have a great chance to go on and win that game. And trust me, I, it's an inexcusable misfire. Don't get me wrong. We did not really talk about it's the
1: other. No, no, no. But it's an excusable misfire that happens every fucking week in the Spurs. No, no, no. I, I
2: no, I said. I'm sorry, Todd. Inexcusable misfire. It's an inexcusable misfire
1: that I happens did say every week. So when does it go from inexcusable misfire to oh, this is exactly what the deck is stacked against us to look like week in and week out, and we just we just accept that. The the thing that I get frustrated about Andrew is not that it's happening. It's that people act like it doesn't happen. And that's fuckery.
2: I mean, look man, J- John Moss come on the podcast. P- PGMO like like a- answer my emails. Like I'm 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 saying yeah, it right now I like mean, this is you, you, like you, I would love you, to you ask may, these kinds you, of questions. You say it in
1: jest. You say it in jest. No, I'm not saying that okay? in jest. I would I mean, love no, to no, be able to it's, ask it's, somebody
2: it's, these questions. Sure,
1: I'd love to get John Moss on the fucking podcast too, Andrew. But I mean, I'm over here saying like we're having a conversation about this like it isn't a thing or like it's only a thing because I say it's a thing or like, oh, Todd's putting on his tinfoil hat to have a conversation about the nonsense from the referees. Dude, it's every fucking week, Andrew. It's every week. Every single week we have the same question. We can go all the way back to Brentford in the first match of the season this year, which we had a conversation last week, and it wasn't a fucking penalty. I mean, what the fuck are we talking about? Dude, it is... Absolute nonsense to say that there isn't a legitimate bias in this instance because whenever it comes down to a VAR decision, invariably it is a narrative affirming decision that comes out. And I'm going to say it over and over again on this spot. It's NAR as far as I'm concerned. Narrative affirming referee. That's what we get every time it goes to the video assistant. Absolute fuckery.
2: I I can completely get behind What you're saying about referees are shit, and it's every week that this stuff happens. And I just I can't quite get to where you are with the narrative affirming stuff. And I look, I respect your opinion on it, but just because it because because I see it happen all throughout the league to other teams too. It's not just one team that's happening to. Oh
1: right, right, but every week. Yes, every week I see. Every week it happens to the same team over and over and over again, or every week it spread throughout the league. Some random fuckery happens, yet it happens to Spurs every week. Because I'm not saying that random fuckery doesn't happen throughout the week, because it does. It's just it happens to us every week.
2: Well, I, I, I feel you, man. I, I, I'm.
1: But I mean, you say that almost as like the. I don't have control game. over like, oh, this t- stuff. You're t- oh, you're acting t- like, t- like, t- like t- I have control. No, but you, yeah, I'm not acting like you can, you have control. I'm acting like you're blowing me off because it I'm not blowing you off. I just I don't share you, your opinion. value the Well, I just. When you say that you don't share my opinion, yet objectively there are things that happen on a week-in, week-out basis, objectively, that are against Spurs in what could be a neutral scenario and the favor swings away from Tottenham, like that happens every week and we both agree to that. But then you're like, yeah, but I don't really share your opinion that they're narrative-affirming decisions. So, like, what I'm just trying
2: to understand... I'm not sitting here telling you that Spurs get a call that goes against them terribly every single week. I think that's also a little bit overblown.
1: Well, you're saying that that's hyperbole, but what I would ask you to do is just take the six games in this Premier League season, and we can go back through them one by one, and I can point out... Each match every team where can, the utter bullshit happens. Every team can say, do that with every say,
2: game they watch. Don't you, you, you dare you're paint so close with a broad Rod.
1: brush with me, sir. Don't you dare paint with a broad brush here. All right. If yeah. we want to talk about the Lucas Mora handball off his shoulder, if we want to talk about the. It's offsides because it's offsides in the Champions League. If we want to talk about the ball for Manchester United going over the line but not calling it. If we want to talk about all of these things, we, I said this in the group chat you're like you're biased and i said you know what andrew i am biased and the reason why is because i have ptsd from the entire time i've been a spurs spurs fan being hard done all the time and the problem is is that when we actually look at the facts when you look at what's occurred hyperbole goes out the window because this shit happens all the time
2: I, I i hear you i i think i'm I don't know man I, I i'm I'm very well trained as a golfer to uh, in a phrase rub of the green some of this shit happens like some stuff goes down sometimes. I get that you feel like it's all there's officiating no referee. In, there's I no just...
1: referees' decisions in golf that impact the your round the way that this ass hat wearing a black shirt impacted the match today
2: I, I hear you I just I'm not. <laughs> Look, man, they got a draw on the road at the Emirates, and I feel like we've done nothing but complain about the officiating. I I think we should feel pretty good about And the the reason
1: why, you're not wrong, but that sucks. We should have had all three points at the Emirates, in my opinion, but we had a dodgy deflected goal and a dodgy VAR penalty, and that's where both of their goals came from. Both of our goals came from really solid play, from our offense. So when you look at those two things, am I happy that we got a point away at the Emirates? 100% I am. Am I irritated that the game was officiated in the way that it was? No more than I'm irritated about the way that the game was officiated at Sheffield United. No more am I irritated about the way that the game was officiated versus Burnley. I mean, we can go down the list. It's just I'm a also just of the opinion nonsense. I'm also much. just
2: of the, I, I I hear you. I'm also just of the opinion that these things, you know, uh, scoring two goals and having the latest comeback ever was an unlikely scenario last week against Sheffield United, but they accomplished they that and they got the three one. points. Uh, Okay, you're 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 just going to have an excuse for every every reason why Spurs are not the greatest team in the land. Like, I hear you.
1: man. but like that's no, 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 no. Manchester City is the greatest team in the country. That's not what I'm saying. And again, trying to drag me into the deep waters of hyperbole is not an accurate approach to take on this one because I can literally walk down factual things that have occurred in the first six weeks of the season. And then every single time you're going to go yeah, to rub of the green. And okay. It's then I'm, to then, so, I'm the, the, well, then I'm
2: simply of the belief that over the next six to, to 10 weeks, there will probably be a few games in there that Spurs are going to win that they probably shouldn't have. I, I feel like this stuff evens itself out. And if it, I, I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm not into the whole, the refs and the media are out to get Spurs all the time. That's not where I'm you at. Feel, I'm just...
1: You feel like this stuff has a way of evening itself out yet. VAR since it's been implemented in its current fashion has taken 26 points from Spurs in the last four years. So does it even out? Yes. In the same way that fucking point shaving evens out, Andrew. And this is, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. You pull one point off the board. you, You pull two points off the board for Spurs in a given match here. One point here two points here and the next thing you know we're seven eight points behind you spot man city seven eight points you're never catching them you spot arsenal seven eight points you're never catching them this is the whole thing that i'm trying to get across here there's no consistency in var there's no consistency in the way that handballs are called there's no consistency in the way that offsides are called and because of the lack of consistency narrative affirming decisions come into play and Spurs are rarely in the positive narrative. That's what we're up against, and that's what I frustrated. That's what frustrates me.
2: I hear you. I hear you. It, it's. It, I agree. They should have had three points today, and it's frustrating that they didn't get them. But I'm still looking at this as early days in a project that's building, and that's encouraging me. Where, where it should have do- been
1: one point last week, as far as the, the the fucking Premier League is concerned. That's the thing, Andrew. Is they jobbed us last week too? And the whole reason why we got so excited is because there was justice. We felt vindicated because we been fucked over the whole game. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, all this time that we're like, oh, Spurs had to rescue at the death against Sheffield United. Well, it's like, I mean, if the game was called in a particular fashion, that wouldn't have been the case. Okay? When you look at the match and there was 15 fucking yellow cards – I'm going to tell you that it was poorly officiated, and there were, there were 15 yellow cards for those playing at home.
2: There were seven, but I hear you.
1: Are we sure about that? For uh, against 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 Sheffield United? Oh, I'm sorry. Seven? I thought you
2: no, no. I thought you know what you t- there the were game today.
1: Fifteen cards. Yeah, against there's
2: Sheffield a lot of United. cards. It was a poorly officiated game. I don't know. I, I don't know what else you want me to say. All the games are poorly to- officiated. The officials suck.
1: Well, no, no, no. I don't. I don't. You've, I don't you've dragged want... again, me into this conversation, again. though. I don't know what you what? want me to the... say, Todd. What I, what I want you to say, Andrew, is that it's not Apparently, Like these things are actual storylines that have to be taken into account. And and, and you we don't think they're conversation... being taken into
2: account? They're being talked about non-stop
1: By whom? By Spurs? By things? everyone? Not... Go go no, on. But not, go on not, the no, no. The hold World on. Wide Dude, Wide not web. In, Not in the national, com- Not in. The, not in the national media. Not on Sky Sports. Okay, not in NBC Sports. Dude. That's not the narrative that's being had, buddy. That's not the narrative that's being had at all. Everybody's talking about th- how Spurs should be lucky VAR, for a point. No, if dude, think... everybody's talking about how Spurs should feel lucky for a point.
2: No, they're not. I mean,
1: that's the that's the narrative. <laughs>
2: no, it's not. Come on, stop.
1: I, I don't even know what to say at this point in time.
2: What What else you want to get in about this game, man? Who 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 do you want to shout out? I'm 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 so over this 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 conversation about officiating i'm sorry like i did, did you
1: did i mean did you listen to the robbies did you listen to tim Howard? no did no you i don't give a shit wh- about
2: any of their opinions man i, I don't i'm sorry i didn't well like... and i
1: mean and that's kind of the thing and i guess maybe that's my own frustration is the fact that i do listen to those guys and i do try to understand because i have to de- like defend the way that spurs are talked about to the people in my life and when they listen to the robbies and they listen to tim howard and they listen to rebecca lowe like those are the voices of the premier league that they recognize. And they're all talking Why about do you care about what get... they think. Why do I care about what they think, buddy? Because it boils down to narrative affirming decisions. It has nothing to do with me. It is the narrative of the if league. If you think where the two Robbies the appreciating... and Rebecca Lowe
2: say on the premier league broadcast is impacting what the referees decisions are on the field, dude, I don't, I don't know what else, like, I don't know where we're going here with this conversation. Uh, that That to me, that's, like if, I, I, I I love you, is, but that's
1: if it is if it is your belief that the officiating is entirely unbiased and the officiating is not slanted. Not no, not no, no. Hear said. me out. It, it is not slanted away from Spurs, and it's something where everybody gets the rub of the green, and eventually it'll work itself out along the way. I, I just. I would implore you to take a look at the times of the match where these suspect referee calls happen. Because timing is everything. And when you suck the air out of a match through a BS call here or there, it changes the flow of the football game. Anyway, uh, if we actually want to talk about the good things that happened here, we can talk about Sonny. And we can talk about the fact that Sonny might be one of the most clutch performers in the history of wearing a Spurs shirt.
2: I don't think there's any sh- doubt about that. that I don't think there's any up. doubt. He's, he's been great. He's 150 goals and, you know, he's been, he's been outstanding. You know, um, Caroline and I kind of talked about the way that uh, that that the attack dipped a little bit when... Madison and Sonny came off, and you know, and this is not a dig at Hoybier and Richarlison, but the, the chemistry that those two have developed has really given this team a spark in, in in the middle, and it's it's undeniable how how good they've been together, you know, and obviously two assists for Madison, two goals for Son, like they're just they're they're cooking, and it's really fun to watch.
1: I Want to give a shout to Basuma, who I thought had an excellent game. I want to give a shout to Kulisevsky who I thought was the unsung hero of the match today. I thought that the majority of the offense ran through him, especially in the second half. Um, I actually want to give a special pat on the back to Cootie Romero, who I thought was very hard done by the result today. And I actually, I I thought he played, I thought he played fairly well. If you see the card that he gave, it was another bullshit card from whoever the fuck this man or this referee was. It was, I mean, they were standing in the, in the scrum, for a corner kick, an offensive corner kick for Tottenham, as a matter of fact, and Cootie got a yellow in there somehow. Good times. Um, yeah, man, I looked at this situation and I saw us being very pensive in the first half, which I wasn't particularly happy about. Um, I did. I, you made a comment in the chat that there wasn't a lot of bravery on the pitch today. And I think that that was a really, good, um, a really good assessment of things because I felt like in the previous matches, like we felt a confidence to like go forward, especially like our midfielders and our, and our fullbacks felt a confidence, uh, confidence to like drive forward with the ball. And I don't know if it was their defense or the way that we were set up, but we just, we didn't, we were looking for the pass as opposed to looking to drive forward with the ball for much of the first half. And I think that that was to our own disservice.
2: I'm 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 glad you added that much to the first half because people are going to hear the way I talked about the game with Caroline and then and then hear you say that. And I did comment that about the bravery, but that was really focusing on the first 40 minutes or so. After that, I thought we looked way better. But yeah, those first 40 minutes, they were they were a little bit of a struggle. Um I felt like Spurs were really putting themselves in in, in tough spots because of their own doing, because of their lack of of wanting to go forward and wanting to play Ange ball. So that I, I'm I'm glad you bring that up, but I do want to just specify that. Was talking specifically about that early part of the game.
1: Yeah, and then the, the the last thing that I'll say on this is is I agree with you. I feel that this is very early in the project, and because of that, um, I feel and you made this point in the chat as well. When we see them fourth in the last match of the season, I feel like we're going to be humming, and I and I feel like that there's a, a real good opportunity for us to get all three points from that one.
2: It should be fun. Uh, it should be a fun return. Uh, th- what do I'm you have a little to say concerned about Liverpool. About next week. I was going to say, what do you have to say about Liverpool coming up real quick before we get out of here? Um,
1: well, we're not going to have Brennan Johnson. There's a high likelihood we're not going to have James Madison, um, which doesn't make me particularly excited.
2: Ange did make a comment about Madison after the match, t- talking about him and Sonny being not 100% going into the match, but said they both got through it all right, so he doesn't think either of them... Will, will be a problem but but we'll see in the coming days you know the, i think this is it's it i mentioned this earlier like this is a north London derby and the training room is going to be busy over the next few days like it's a physical match we'll have to see who comes out of it but the depth is 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 concerning for sure if if, if some guys have to miss
1: agreed um but i feel like worse come to worse we've got some options. Like if you have to sit Madison, like you can rotate Kulisevsky into the 10, if you have to, um, the Brennan Johnson one is the one that I'm worried about. Cause it's the hamstring. So, I mean, that's, that's four to six weeks.
2: Yeah. It's so,
1: tough. It's tough. That's kind of where we are, but all
2: right, well, we'll see, man. Liverpool should be fun. Um, um, we'll, I'm we'll looking move. at,
1: I'm, I'm realistically, I'm looking at the Liverpool match saying three, one at home.
2: Let's go. I'm ready for it. Let's cool. In, go let's do it all right for you guys listening on the podcast uh we're going back to caroline and i from earlier in the day just like i said bringing, pulling the curtain completely and totally back for you all. So here's another clip of and and back to a conversation with caroline and i and please listen to it because it's very very good
0: you're playing a top team you know, we're not going to dominate you know arsenal for 90 100 minutes at their place no chance so you're going to have some wobbly moments where maybe things don't go our way you know Couple of mistakes on the ball, but what you're looking for is reaction. You know, I thought our reaction was outstanding. We just kept playing. You know, we just didn't didn't get flustered, didn't get you know, didn't lose belief, and um, that's a great sign because we've got challenges ahead for sure. You know, we're, we're going to hit more roadblocks, more um, obstacles we need to overcome, and we just got to maintain that belief in, in in being the team we want to be.
2: Let's talk about this fan forum a little bit before we we look ahead to the to the women's season and, and what they've got coming down down the road. Um, this was a, an event that I watched in its entirety on YouTube like a, two days after it happened. It was like a almost 90 minute affair held at the stadium. Um, I don't know any of the details about who was let in, why they were let in. I think there was some kind of application process for for season ticket holders uh, and 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 members. Um, but this was a enjoyable, if not somewhat cheesy watch, <laughs> like it was, um, uh, basically a big Q and a, and there was a host, uh, I believe from the BBC and there was, or maybe it was BBC radio and it was Daniel Levy flanked by Ange and Sonny and Robert Villaham flanked by, by Bethany England. And this was a fun, fun event to watch. And there's i I've got a few like notes written down that I want to you know, discuss from this, but what was your overall impression of this kind of event? I, I kind of want to see something like this, you know, at least once a year, maybe if not twice a year.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm always saying that I would like to see our men's and women's team more involved, um, you know, working together. So that just in and of itself was refreshing. Um, And I think, especially because we really got to hear from both sides, how, the whole club is sort of working on the same basis now. Like both teams are wanting to play this attacking football, get back to the club's identity. Um, And I feel like that really came across in the answers, you know, just the similarities that we heard. Um, It's, I feel like I still have very mixed feelings about Daniel Levy. Like most, most of that honestly comes towards like the way that he handles the women's team or doesn't (laughs) as it may be. But I, I feel like he's still kind of on probation as far as I'm concerned, Um, but I'm also not someone who's like virulently levy out. So you're not going to get that from me either. Um, I don't know. He like, he, he skirted some questions. He gave half answers to some things, but it's, it's not anything we wouldn't really have expected. So that, that didn't really bother me hugely. I don't know how you feel about that.
2: I, I think, I think you're right. I think he definitely, you know, at one point a fan asked him, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, how much is too much when it comes to cost uh, to to come watch a football match at this stadium? And he wanted a number. And of course, Daniel Levy wasn't going to give him a number. Um, and I think that overall, it was mostly, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It was, it was, it was pleasant. It never got tense. And I don't think it ever was going to. We we're talking about a pretty you know, decently sized room of, of people who are all on the same side. But there, there, there was, there were a few moments of some contention in the, in the, in the questions, but nothing, you know, nothing that Daniel Levy isn't going to kind of brush away or uh, frankly that anyone else that was up on the stage isn't going to brush away. Um, I thought that, you know, the most brushed away question were uh, the other, another one about ticket prices and, um you know, justifying, raising some ticket prices, you know, where Levy pretty much just said costs are up for everyone. And that is not an answer you want to hear from a guy who is in his position. That's not a, that's not an answer that anyone's going to want to hear. And it's, even though it's not something that affects you or I talking here on this podcast directly, because we're not, you know, I may be able to get over to a game later this year. I don't know if you have any plans to maybe try to get over to a game, but like it's not, it doesn't have the everyday of impact on us Americans as it does people living over there, go, going to the games, traveling to a way game, doing all of the, you know, the things um, it's, it's not a, it, it's just very much a PR laden answer that no one wants to listen to. There were other questions that Levy was asked where I was actually somewhat impressed by the way he answered them. He was, you know, he was asked about Ange and, and hiring Ange and did as much without admitting fault than, than I think Daniel Levy would in talking about how the previous couple of managers, you know, they, they were trying something different. And I think he, in, in, in so many words as Daniel Levy would ever offer, he admitted that that was not what they should have done and and that he's glad he, you know, he talked about having our Tottenham back now that, that they have a different type of manager in place. And I think that that was an important moment that came from this. I thought that was kind of cool to hear about. Um the only other thing I think that stood out from a Daniel Levy perspective in this whole thing for me was him talking about the stadium naming rights and it seems like they're being very very selective and almost picky um when it comes to finding the right partner for that if that comes to fruition if that is something obviously that could be a big big revenue um stream for the club and something that they could take advantage of but at the same time I think having the name of the actual football club on the stadium is also kind of important. You know, I, I've, I've seen a, from a lot of people in my life, and this is specific to almost to the NFL deal, because a lot of the NFL games are being played at the stadium. In fact, not something we talked about on pod, but like a week and a half, two weeks ago, they announced an extension of the deal with the NFL. Tottenham Hotspur stadium is now the official stadium of at the NFL in Europe or in the UK Um, rather. And that is like, there is a, There is a dynamic that having Tottenham Hotspur Stadium be what most American sports fans look to as, you know, the most popular sport in America is the NFL. If you're looking at games in London, you're talking about Tottenham Hotspur Stadium more than you're talking about Wembley or uh, the the stadium in Munich, like where some of these other games are being played. Having the, the club's name on that stadium, I think there is some importance to that. Um, but it's an, that's just a, a whole interesting discussion that I think can be, you know, it's another one of those cans that's being kicked down the road almost when it comes to naming rights for the stadium. But nothing else really stood out to me from from a levy standpoint during this whole thing other than those couple of of bullet points.
3: Yeah, and you know, I'm fine with them being selective and taking their time with the naming rights because i don't want us ending up with like a cryptocurrency firm that goes bankrupt in two years so it's not it's not an issue to me honestly um but you're right i think he did to be fair to him he he took a little bit of responsibility for how you know the disappointing last few seasons had gone um and as much as he was ever going to admit fault um he did say you know he made the wrong decisions with in terms of, like, managerial hires trying to, like, have that win-now strategy and kind of going against the grain of, you know, what the club is supposed to be. So I appreciated that. I When I saw the quote, you know, before watching the, the whole forum, I saw the quote about him saying, we've got our Tottenham back, and I was like, that can't be a real quote. Like, that is <laughs> that is, like, pure PR speak. And, I mean, it still is that he said it. Like, clearly, it was, like, a sort of, Answer he had thought of beforehand but um i don't know you but when, you, le- but
2: when you learn about the con yeah but when you learn about the context of it surrounding hey i kind like he didn't say this but i think he was trying to imply without actually saying hey i kind of fucked up in the last two managerial hires and now we've made this di-. he knows he's veered in a different direction than he did with you know conte and Mourinho, and the fact that he's going to say that and that that's his recognition of Hey, yeah, we, we we're doing something different now, and like it's almost like a tip of the cap of, yep, we we're back to to where we were, or trying to get back to where we were before those two guys. I think that that is somewhat notable.
3: Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of people who were not invited to this event or selected, I should say, which is the majority of us, um, a lot of people were really expecting this to be a situation where like he was asked really hard hitting questions and obviously it was never going to be that let's be realistic to me the main thing that I got out of this event that I really appreciated was getting to hear from the managers and the captains because we don't always have that kind of you know open access to the players um, you know from a fan perspective and I really appreciated hearing from Sonny and Beth and especially them talking about getting the captaincy you know finding yep. out that it, it really was a surprise to sun having it announced yeah. in that meeting that was yeah. interesting um and then also just beth saying like this is she considers this her biggest achievement and it, it couldn't be more clear like how genuinely honored she is to be captain and to be like such a focal point in the women's team um so i like going into this wsl season i've been feeling a little like underwhelmed just because of kind of how the transfer window went and all of that. But I feel like she really got me more energized for the season. So I appreciate it from that perspective.
2: Well, let's, let's shift right into that talk because I, I, this was the first, I mean, I've, I've seen some of the interviews with, with Robert and, and, you know, have seen, you know, I've seen Beth England interviews and I, it's, but this was a, a forum and a, and a place where they were able to really, you know, kind of put their stamp on what they want from this season. And I, I was encouraged by it. I thought it was um, it was enlightening to, 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 way, to, where, but where their mindsets both are. And like you said, especially with Beth England, like she, something else we haven't really talked about. Beth England had surgery. She's going to miss some time, but name the captain and is taking this, this role very seriously. Like she didn't even, she didn't even bring up, she wouldn't even say Chelsea, <laughs> like when, when she was talking yeah. about her, her previous, you know, previous locale like she knows like where she is and kind of what what she what's being asked of her and i just thought like oh this is someone who's got a really good head on her shoulders and like is ready to lead a team to something
3: i agree and i think both of them you know she and robert were really honest and realistic about the situation that the women's team is in after coming off the season where we were you know battling relegation um and i i think they have a good sense of what went wrong last season and how to fix it. Um, Cause one thing that they both kind of talked about was morale being really low previously and the need to just sort of bring a calmness to the team. And I think Robert especially talked about when we get to situations in games where it's not going well, like staying calm at halftime, finding solutions. Cause I think that was something we were frustrated with as fans last year, like feeling like, the game state didn't matter. We would just keep going like with the same strategy and it wasn't working. But it, it sounds like they're really trying to be more adaptable this season. Um and the, the frustrating thing about the women's team is that we did not get to see any of the preseason friendlies. So we honestly have no idea what this team looks like right now um with with some new players coming in. We have no clue. <laughs> um, but what we can kind of glean from the score lines from these friendlies is that it it seems like the defense at least is getting sorted out, which is reassuring. Um, The question is still going to be, can we score goals? And that's obviously a huge question with Beth being out for the start of the season. Um, You know, players are going to have to step up. So it's going to be interesting to see who those players are. Um, But I at least feel like from what we heard from the fan forum and kind of in you know the preseason chatter that the the club is like with the men's team we're kind of on this strategy of we're going to play attacking football we're going to try to do a better job of actually like controlling games being in the game not letting the game happen around us so that's I think reason for optimism even if we're not really sure how it's going to play out in in reality
2: that, that was the thing that stood out to me the most from, from the fan forum was, was Wilhelm talking about wanting to play almost, almost like Ange's team has been playing and, and wanting to take the game to teams. And, um, not that I think that there's anything necessary about molding your men's and women's teams in the same way and, and the same form, but it is kind of nice to have just that mindset of wanting to build something in that way. And. Look, I think there's a lot of work still to be done, like you say, with the roster. And I do think that, unfortunately, I, we still don't really have a a, a definitive timeline for for Beth England coming back into this team. It's a hip injury, had sur- minor surgery, but like we still don't really know exactly when she's going to be able to make her way back to the pitch. So, without Beth England as that focal point, and let's be honest, let's just call a spade a spade. Like the reason this team was able to stay up last season was because of Beth England. Like there's no there's no two ways about it um without without her as the focal point in this attack that makes the whole goal scoring thing that you talk about a big big mystery and the when is she going to be able to come back type of thing is like okay well hopefully fairly soon but we know she's going to miss some time and miss some games the games start next week like we know that that's going to happen what's it going to look like until then and is she going to be able to come right back in and just hit the ground running with, with a a lot of new pieces around her.
3: Right. And this is where I think we kind of see some contrast with how the club approaches the two different teams, because with the men's team, I don't think you can argue like we did strengthen in the transfer window and got in some key targets, you know, players who, who he really wanted and who fit the system on the women's side. I don't feel confident saying that that's, Exactly true. Um, you know, we've got a gaping hole on the left side of the defense, which was not addressed, and that worries me hugely. Um, but also, you know, with with Beth going out, we've brought in uh, a player, Martha Thomas, who we we signed from Manchester United. And I don't, I don't want to disrespect her because it's not that she's not a good player, but she's not, she's not Beth England. Um, and we just don't. <laughs> I feel like we've not been as ambitious as some of the teams around us. And that's what, what concerns me the most, you know, we see teams like Aston Villa are, they're going to be, you know, legitimate contenders this season, I think with the business that they've done, but even teams who were kind of in the same like relegation fight that we were in last season, they've made some key pickups and I just don't, I don't feel super energized by most of the, the players that we brought in. I think the one exception to that, well, maybe two exceptions is, is that we brought in a really talented center back, Luana Buller. I think she's going to yeah. be really transformative to the defense. And Olga Atenen, I'm just not familiar with her because she plays in the Swedish league or did previously. And that's just not a league that I know much about. Um, that's the, that's but- the,
2: I, am, I, I apologize. I was not familiar with your game meme right there.
3: I mean, literally. Yes. So I'm fully ready to be like gung ho on her, you know, when she knocks our socks off in the first few weeks. But to be fair, like she was player of the season in that league last year. So she's not, (laughs) you know, she's, she's, she has a talented player. Um, But I think she's going to be shouldering a lot of burden in that midfield that was really kind of the most underperforming part of the, the team for us last year. So yeah, that's a lot of pressure for her, but hopefully she's up to the task. Um, and she has been named one of the new captains. I don't think we talked about that yet. No, so we have So we've got, yeah, we've got Beth England as captain and her vice captains are going to be Olga and Molly Bartrip, who, you know, yeah. Molly Bartrip, fan favorite, um, an important player who I think is going to really have her game elevated um, with Luana next to her this season. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Elsewhere in the pitch, I just feel like we don't have we haven't made the same kind of like game changing signings that some other clubs have. And I just continue to wish that the club put a little more investment into the women's team. Like, you know, obviously it's, it's amazing that we got Beth England, but even with Beth, it was like six months too late almost. Um, So just for us to be a little more proactive with, with signings when it comes to the women's team and not so reactive would be, would be great.
2: Yeah, there's no question. And That's honestly, too negative.
3: I feel like that was very negative. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, I, I think you 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 have a very practical view of this. I, I'm I'm not going to say I'm much more hopeful. I mean, I, I don't think that this is going to be a team this season that that fights relegation the way that it did last season. But I, I still but I don't think, don't it's think very, we're we're
3: it's we're very, very mid-table, be
2: right? Yes, it's still very, it's still very mid-table and it's still very there's still a lot of. Uh, Let's just face it, better teams in the WSL at this point than than Spurs are, you know. And they're gonna they're gonna see one right off the bat in Chelsea at Stanford Bridge next weekend. That and Chelsea is a team that obviously is gonna compete for, for the WSL, if not be favored to win the WSL. So um that's that's gonna be a challenge right off the bat. And you know, Sans Beth England, as we said. I hate to I hate to turn Beth England into like it's it's like people used to talk about Harry Kane on the men's side, like, but she really is like the straw that stirs the drink for this club. And, and that's what makes it tough. Not having her for the first uh, X amount of games. Who knows at this point, that's the, that's the other hard part is the lack of information <laughs> that we have in terms of like just somewhat of a, t- I get it's an injury and you, you there's rehab to be done and, and there was a surgery and, but you would like to have some kind of maybe idea. Like, is it going to be the end of October? Are we talking into middle of November here? Are we talking first well, half of the season? I just, I don't know
3: this is a recurring theme on the women's side is the problem is the lack of communication. So, you know, we, we don't know when that's coming back. We have players who didn't feature in preseason that we, we have no idea if they're injured or not. Like Amy Turner is is the main one didn't get any minutes at all. Um, and she was a starter. in I think like every game basically last season. Yeah. So kind of, kind of would be nice to know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, Chelsea is going to be a difficult task. There's what is no your,
2: way. what is your predicted finish for Spurs this season in the table? Of course, 12 teams in WSL where it was, it was 11th last year, <laughs> barely, uh, barely hanging on. Where, 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 do you have them this season?
3: I I'm saying sixth place. I'm trying to be less blindly optimistic than I usually am. I've been hurt before by this team. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're better than six teams, but I think there are five teams that are going to be a lot better than us frankly. Um and like I said, you know, calling out Aston Villa for their really strong transfer window. They I think they learned some lessons that we should have learned um from when we we had that really great finish two seasons ago and really could have kicked on from there and did not take advantage. I feel like they are they're going to be really in that sort of contention for those Champions League qualification spots. Um yeah, I just I think six is really going to be kind of the ceiling realistically.
2: And I think that that's kind of I mean if we go back a year ago, um, it was a little earlier than this time because the World Cup push pushes back the start of this season a little bit. But if, if we go back to kind of what we talked about before last season, I think we all were hopeful that this could be a best of the rest type of team, and I think that's kind of where we are a year later. Like hopefully this can be a at the top of that next of the second tier of teams in the WSL, of course, last year turned into a relegation battle, which meant it felt like a a disappointing season in, in in many aspects, but also a relief that they were able to to stay up. I think this season you go back in thinking, all right, if we can be best of the rest and build on that, that will be great. It's just there was a as you say, there was a chance for more progress to be made in terms of signings and and refreshing that we'd like to see kickstarted and, you know, January will come, like there will be opportunities to add, but, um, it still is a, is a slower process at least, you know, I mean, hell on the men's side, we saw what, what looked like a totally different process take over for a few years. At least this, it has the ability to, to just be that process and not have these fits and starts like it did over there. So.
3: And I at least feel good about the manager that we brought in at this point. Like he, he speaks really well. I feel like he has a good Good sense of, like I said, where we're at and he knows where we want to get to and what it's gonna take to get there. So I'm just hoping he's gonna be supported on the recruitment side.
2: Yeah, there's no question about it. Results have to come. Like there's no there's no doubt about it. If if they go through a run like they did last year, it's not gonna not gonna be good. Uh they, they do need to get points on the board. They'll start by trying to do that at Stanford Bridge next Sunday, which is quite the tall task, but uh one that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the WSL season coming back. Uh, It should be fun to watch. Uh, We will be back with you after that match next weekend to talk uh, Liverpool Spurs on the men's side, Chelsea Spurs on the women's side. Uh, Just, just two, you know, simple little fixtures to deal with next weekend. We're, we're in the full swing of this now. Of course there is a, a, another men's international break coming up in a few weeks, but we'll, we've got plenty to, to discuss over the next handful of weeks and months here at the depot there it's just it's, it's fun right now to be a Spurs fan that's the way i feel uh no matter what and uh we are embracing that fully here uh be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice be sure to follow us at Tottenham depot on the social media platform of your choice twitter instagram threads tiktok we are there and everywhere uh, and you can reach out to us via email as well at tottenhamdepot at gmail.com if you want to shout at us that way. Uh, you can follow Caroline at CG CGStefco. You can follow me at astedka You can follow Todd at TC underscore Cachot as well. Uh, until next week, this has been a fun one. As always, come on, you Spurs.